John chapter 1, verse 12. Again, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Last week, uh, week before last, I mean, we looked at the glory of God, which includes His splendor. It includes His beauty. It includes His love, His glory. And so, um, just want to piggyback off of that, continuously thinking about that, His beauty, His splendor, His love for us. And so go back to verse 12 in John chapter 1. He says, But those who embraced him and took hold of his name. Think about that. He gave authority to become children of God. He was not born by the joining of human parents or from natural means or by man's desire, but he was born of God. And so the living expression became a man, lived among us, and we gazed upon his glory, his splendor, his beauty, his love. We gazed upon it. When did John gaze upon that? Every day, but there was a specific time that he really got to see him even more clear. Where was that? Mount of Transfiguration, right? And John saw him in all his dazzling glory, his splendor, his beauty, and his love, right? We gazed upon his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. John announced the truth about him, and when he taught the people, he's the one... He's the one I've been telling you would come after me even though he ranks far above me because he existed before I was even born. And from the overflow of his fullness, we receive grace heaped upon more grace. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus the anointed one unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy. And no one ever before gazed upon the full splendor of God except His uniquely beloved Son who is cherished by the Father and held close to His heart. Now that He has come to us, He has unfolded the full explanation of who God truly is. We want to know what what God is like? Look at Jesus. He is the exact replica of the Father. Right? Bill Johnson likes to say, Jesus is perfect theology. Right? And I agree with that statement 100%. So, my question to you is, what does it take to truly love someone to the point of abandoning your life to them? Many people in this room are married. And a true biblical picture of marriage is you giving yourself one to another, right? That you abandon everyone and everything to say, we're going to start a new family. Leaving everything else, abandoning everything else to say, we are one. Right? So what happened for that to happen? You want to stand up and explain what happened to you for Maine? (laughs) Think about it. There's some young in love in this room. There's some old and wise in love in this room. But it all started. Just one look, that's all it took. Just one look. Right? Like, I remember, like, so vividly the day I saw Julie. Like, I can go back to the very exact moment. And that's been years ago, right? That's, I don't even know how many years now. Start speaking my age. (laughs) No, more than that, 22 years, I guess, ago. Baskin had... Stairs that went up to two rooms upstairs where the baptistry was, two rooms. And we had a Sunday school room upstairs. Her daddy was coming in view of a call that day. And um, we had heard that there was, he had a daughter. So we already had our boat. About your right. About my like, check, boat, one. I'll vote yes today. Um, <laughs> And so uh, we come down the steps, and I remember there was a door at the end of those steps, and I remember her mom, and then she's like standing behind her mom like this. Like, I don't want to be here. Don't talk to me. But behind her mom, there's a, also a window that was by that door. She's standing right there. And I don't know if it was the sunlight, <laughs> but it was like the skies opened up, and it said... And I remember that same week driving to ULM, to school, on that Monday, saying, 
I kind of I think I kind of like to date date her. Unless that, and having a conversation with with the father, like, think we can work this out. <laughs> um. So it was it was the beauty, right? The first initial was the beauty that I got to know her, right? And that's even more beautiful. Um, and um, she is my 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 partner, my right hand, my my person I become one with, right? If she's down, I'm down. If she's up, I'm up, right? Um, kind of deal. So what what is that expression that you would leave everything? You got to think about the disciples when they left everything. It says that they there he is, Jesus, and then all of a sudden they left everything that they knew, right? Their jobs, their family, everything that they knew, they just abandoned it. Does that bother some people in here? Because that always used to bother me. Like, how could they do that? Right? So what happens for us to come into a place where we will abandon everything like that? Right? If you love somebody deeply, like we just talked about in marriage, how did that happen? Like I didn't, like, Julie wasn't standing behind her mama and people around the corner say, I command you to love me. Did she? There was nothing about that that would have been love. Right? Now she may tell she may tell me now what that's not love. The command, right? And so somewhere along the way we get this wrong perspective that we put serving above loving. We put works above love. If the only time that I saw her was in the morning and I said one little thing to her. Thank you for waking up with me today. And then I said nothing else to her again till that night and said, love you. Good night. What kind of relationship is that? See what I'm saying? Like, it's not a command that she has to tell me what to do, but it's a relationship of being in love that the two become one and do life together. Right? Like, it, we never know what's going on in our house. We have a schedule somewhat from our works and from our kids that have involved in everything. But we still live our lives as even in the midst of all that, somehow we still live our lives like Numa beings. Like if the wind says let's go this way, we going. <laughs> there was so much that happened in our day yesterday that was not planned, but we did a lot of stuff. Because we do life together. Right? So what happens in that in that relationship with the Father? Because I'm going to tell you, people will tell you you got to do this, 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 and this. Or they get a list of rules and say then you'll finally get it together. We have all these discipleship programs. There's nothing wrong with discipleship, but when it becomes a program more than it becomes about relationship, then it is something wrong with it. And how we got to this room from four years ago did not happen out of a command. And it did not happen out of a list of rules. And it did not happen out of a program. I was sitting in a small room with some leaders. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me this quick, we're done. Meaning, what he had me to do at that place, he said, we're done. I go home that night, tell Julie we got to go. She said, the devil is like you ain't got no job, we got to pay the bills. I said, I can't help it, I don't know how that's going to happen. I just know what he said. And I can't stay here if his presence is not going to be with me. I can't have to go wherever he is going not because of a command there was nothing in a command in that was it we're done is that a command that sort of sounds like a relationship doesn't you where he says we're done here are you going to follow me to the next thing i have for you right 
we posted this thing this week on GroupMe, and it was just a small clip. And he says, he says, I know a lot about me. You don't look at my resume, but look to where I'm going. Right? And we left a lot of things behind. We left a way of life behind. We left people behind that we knew our whole life. We left ways of life behind. We had known our whole entire life, especially me, because I grew up there. Right? Julie didn't come to her senior year. I grew up there. Not only did I grow up there, my grandparents did, and the grandparents before them, and the grandparents before them, which was founding mother. I wouldn't say father, but founding mother, Granny Jackson. So that was deeply rooted, right? So say I left everything, I left everything behind. But for people to look at me and say, I don't know why he would leave all that behind. He could have retired there. He could have done everything. You're right, I could have. But to not understand, I didn't leave something, I followed something. And to not understand that is to only understand religion and denominational stuff and things of that nature. It is not to understand a relationship with the Father. And I'm telling you, He is wanting to engage with you. And anyone listening to us on this podcast today, He is inviting you into a relationship and not into a formality. He's not inviting you into a program. He is not inviting you to anything. He's not inviting you into something that some people is not going to agree with either. Because there's a lot of people that didn't agree with me. There's a lot of people that didn't agree with that. But they didn't hear the voice either. And I agree wholeheartedly with what we sent out this week. That if you want to know me, don't look at my resume. Look at where he's taking me. Look at where he's leading me. Because where he's going, that's where I want to go. Months, years, really. Set in Brent's living room. This was not an ambition. Never once did we say, how can we grow this thing out? Not once did we say, how can we build a building? Never once did we say, I wish we could get a bigger building. You know what we said? What the Holy Spirit doing today? Stuff even on this stage didn't even come along until we said, are we sure that's what the Holy Spirit said? Trying to listen to a relationship, not trying to establish just whatever everybody else is doing. So we live in a relationship. We don't live in a command. And whenever the command is stronger than the love, we got a wrong perspective. So that's where he's taking us. He wants to take us into this place, right? Um, John chapter 1, what we just read, that's what he's saying. We gazed upon his beauty. Right, And by gazing upon that beauty, we saw what the Father was really like. And by seeing what the Father was really like, we become awakened to truth. Right? I think it was Tater that said it Wednesday night. He was talking about it. He said, he said, this is nothing without the Spirit of God. You agree? It's nothing without the Spirit of God. Right? Because if we have truth without the Spirit, we get puffed up. Right? And if we have spirit without truth, we dry up. What's going to happen? The two have to become intertwined. The spirit, he says they will worship me in spirit and what? In truth. And whenever that happens, we grow up into maturity by the righteousness of God. And so he's taking us there. 2 Corinthians 3.18, which we've talked about so many times, just want to remind you before we go into today's passage. But 2 Corinthians 3.18, just a reminder. My boy Cody got him on the board today. And it's in Passion. So if you don't have a Passion Bible, you can follow along on the screen in the Passion version. 3.18, we can all draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect what? The glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of what? Glory, which is His splendor, His beauty, His love to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes where? From the Lord, who is the Spirit. So not only are we attracted to that beauty, not only are we attracted to that splendor, not only are we attracted to that love, but as we fall in love and come face to face with Him, guess who else is transfigured? We are. We become like Him. 
Look at some older couples who really love each other their whole time. They look like brothers and sisters. <laughs> I thought that was your sister when y'all walked in. <laughs> so much so, we've had comments, and our money's only been with us three years, by the way. And we've had comments where they say, I know this sounds crazy. I know it does, and I know the background. But she looked like y'all. I said, yes, she does. Because we're so face-to-face with her, with our love. And she's being transfigured from one glory to another. Isaiah 33, verse 17. It's also in the Passion. I think we got that on the Passion on the screen as well. But Isaiah 33, verse 17. In this high place your eyes will see the king in his stunning beauty and gaze upon his broad domain. Where are we seated now? In the heavenlies, in the high place. That is our place, the Zion realm, the Mount Zion. That's where we are and established. And he says in that place you're going to see the king in stunning beauty. You're going to see him. Not in the sweet by and by. You're going to see him in his stunning beauty and gaze upon his broad domain. In other words, you're going to be attracted to the beauty of who he really is. You're going to gaze upon him. What's that mean? He ain't going to do a quick. It ain't like a. Right? You know, when you can't stand to look at something, something bad that happened, you want to see it, but you're just like. It ain't that. Like we fool on gazing because we can't take our eyes off of him because we finally found who we're looking for. That's where he's taking us to. Look at Song of Solomon, chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 10. Now I know that I am for my beloved. And all his desires are fulfilled where... Where are they fulfilled at? In me. They're fulfilled in me. His desires are fulfilled in me. This is a relationship. There is nothing about this that we can make it sound like you got to have this routine where it's like you got to pray this many minutes a day, you got to read your word this many minutes a day. Does that sound like a relationship? He's asking you to do life. Am I saying I don't pray? No. Am I saying that? Am I saying I don't read the Word? No. But it's not a ritual for me. It's about falling more in love with Him. That once you taste and once you see, you can't get enough. And you become hungry. And the more hungry you get, the more filled you get. And it just expands. Because as you expand, it gets more hungry. And as you expand, you get more filled. And it just continues to expand because His kingdom is expanding. And His kingdom is where? Within. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God still loved us with such, what kind of love? Great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even, even when we were dead and doomed. That sounds like past tense. You're not dead and doomed anymore. Even when you were though, you were dead and doomed in our many sins. He united us into the very life of Christ. So even at your worst moment, at your, at your weakest moment, at your most vulnerable moment, He did not look at you. He didn't turn away from you. It says He joined you full on. That's how much He loves you. United us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. That's love. Casey sat up there with these kids this morning and had, 
had that had those baskets out. It's hard to love those that don't love you back, that are mean to you, that have done wrong things to you. It's hard to love those like that, right? But what does real love do? Jesus showed us what real love does. Even at our worst moment, when we were enemies, what did He do? He didn't just die for you. He joined you. Came into you. Right? Alex was trying to describe to you last week at those places that you just feel like you can't get away from. Take Him there with you. Take Him into the valley of the shadow of death. Take Him there with you and He's going to resurrect you out of that. You can't say, but God don't want to go with me there. No, He obviously did because He proved it. That He went to the deepest, darkest place to redeem you. So yes, He does want to go with you because He already has gone with you to the deepest, darkest place and says, I join myself with you. Let's get out of here. John 17, verse 23. Jesus' conversation. John 17, verse 23. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. Who's he talking to? Jesus is talking to who? The Father. He's praying. And he says, you live fully in me. Jesus is saying, you're in me to the fullest extent, right? And now I live fully where? In them. That's us. Why? Why does he want to do that? So that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love each one of them. Listen to this. With the same passionate love you have for me. Not like it. Not when you're good enough. The same love the Father has for His Son, Jesus, He has for you. Even in your most weakest, vulnerable state, He loves you the same. And says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. You don't have to do it alone. Because if you keep trying to do it all on your own, you're not going to succeed. You're not. You're just going to keep going around in circles and circles and circles until you're joined yourself with Him. And allow Him to go to the deepest, darkest place with you and say, I've redeemed you. And you are my beloved. And my beloved is mine. Same thing that really we read in John chapter 1 where he says, I'm gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. We saw Him and all that He was. And it drew us to Him. You've got to see Him like that. Tater and I was praying with this guy a couple weekends ago. And after we got through praying with him, I looked at Tater and I said, Tater, that's the saddest thing to me. I said, you don't have a clue. He was talking about it. I, I try to go to church sometimes and I, I try to do this sometimes, but I just... You know, I tried to read my Bible a couple times, but then just, I told Taylor, I said, it's the saddest thing. And I told the guy, I said, look, I said, brother, you never fell in love with Jesus. That's all it is to it. You're trying religion called Christianity, but you never fell in love with Jesus. Because if you fell in love with Jesus, there is no more try. As Yoda said, there is no try. There's no try. There's no try. Simply believing in what He said about you and then joining together with Him in love. Falling in love with Him. Right? There is nothing about this that is should be where we're going through the motions. so in love with you. If we could just see how much He loves you. Like the eyes to be open to that. The eyes of a heart to be open to that. What does that even mean? The eyes of your heart to be open to that. What does that look like? 
have to go back to those relationships with your husband and your wife. That's how that started. You let the guard down and you let them see you for who you really were. And the eyes of your heart was enlightened and opened up. And in that place where they were opened up, a relationship began. And two became one. It's the same. Where you look at Him face to face and open up and be real. And as you do that, it's not... We're not trying to... Like there's things that we experience now that we didn't get to experience when we first got married. Our kids are a little older. We didn't even have kids at first, right? So in the early days, we got to actually sit on the couch together. I don't know what that's like anymore, but we did do that one time. We got to actually sit on the couch together and watch a movie. That happened a long time ago. Right? It'll happen again. (laughs) But now, now, through relationship, things have been birthed out of that relationship called four wonderful kids. And now it's to a whole nother degree. But we didn't try to get there overnight. We didn't get all four kids in one night. It happened through relationship. And He's wanting to birth things out of you through relationship, through the perfect dance of perichoresis where He's dancing with you. And in that full circle of life, there are things He's wanting to birth out. And we're trying to go because we live in a, in a society where we zap the microwave and it's done. We want to mature from this to that and overnight. And He has taken you from glory to glory to glory to glory through relationship. So I say to you, enjoy it. Enjoy the relationship. Enjoy the day-to-day activity with Him. Enjoy the day-to-day conversations with Him. Right? And in that place, things are going to begin to be birthed out. Bill said it the other day, this is the year. Things will be but guess what? It's not going to happen outside a relationship ever. Now we can do like Abraham and put it all in our hands and our works and birth an Ishmael. But those who will wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Those who wait on the Lord. Go with me to 1 John. 1 John 4.19 1 John 4.19 Actually, I'm going to back up. I think I'm going to go um, verse 16. We have come into an intimate experience. What is that? An intimate experience. He didn't say, I've come to learn all the rules and regulations. He says, I've come into this intimate experience with God's love and we trust in the love He has for us. You see, if you don't trust in the love He has for you, you'll not grow in the love with Him because you'll never trust Him. Those who, a a husband and wife who have no trust, they'll never grow together. Right? It's just not going to happen. There's walls that are built up. So it keeps it from happening. That's exactly what's going to happen. But God, and then it says, God is love. So those who are living in love are living in God. And God lives through them. So by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us. Why? So that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is... Now this is when he's writing this. Jesus has already ascended into heaven with the Father. All that Jesus, when? Now is, listen to this, so are we where? In this world. Not one day in the sweet by and by. Just like he is now. And all his blazing beauty. Eyes of fire. Hair like wool. Dazzling display of glory. So are we. So are we in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. 
But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. You're walking around fearful of what he's going to do or not do. You have failed to fall in love with the one true God and turn all your trust into Him. And then He says, Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated where? To us. Some of your translations also say we love God because He first loved us. See what I'm saying? You have to first recognize Him and recognize the love that He has for you. This infinite, passionate, same love that He has for Jesus, He has for you. You'll never be able to love yourself and you'll never be able to love others and you'll never be able to love the Father until you first figure out how much He loves you. And you've got to be confident in it. It's not a roller coaster ride. It's a true confidence in who he really is and what he says about you. It's what? It's called real. Ephesians 1 6. I'm almost done with the introduction. Remember, I didn't preach last week. Got two hours to go today. Ephesians 1 6. For it was always in His perfect plan to adopt us as a delightful children through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that His tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify His grace. Look at those words. So that His tremendous love. And then think about this. Cascades over you like a waterfall, meaning it never stops. It's continually pouring out on you. The only reason you don't feel love sometimes is because you turn your receiver off. Just like the little song we sang with the kids before at the beginning. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. It has to be a place of receiving because He is in a constant place of giving. For God so loved the world, He gave. Right? Cascade will glorify His grace for the same love. The same love that He has for the beloved Jesus. He has for us. And this unfolding plan brings Him great pleasure. It brings Him great pleasure for you to finally figure out that He loves you with the same love that He loves His own Son, Jesus. It brings Him pleasure. Dancing over you, so excited over you when you finally recognize His love for you. Isn't that awesome? Like, I expect to see some happy faces in here and you're still just looking at me like, whatever, tell me something different. What else is there to tell you? If you could just get this. If we could just get this. It's real. It's real. So madly, so deeply in love with us. John chapter 12. Verse 38. John 12, 38. This fulfilled the prophecy given by Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message? Who has seen the unveiling of your great power? The people were not able to believe, for Isaiah also prophesied this. God has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts to truth. So with their eyes and hearts closed, they cannot understand the truth, nor turn to me so I could instantly cleanse and heal them. Verse 41. Isaiah said these things because, why? 
He had seen and what? And what? Experienced. Something real, right? The splendor, which is part of His glory, of Jesus and prophesied about Him. He saw it. Saw His glory. I saw the Lord. High and lifted up. Remember that? Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His glory filled the temple. This is something He saw, but it's also something that He experienced. Look at Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. That is what? The wealth of God's glorious inheritance that He finds in us, His holy ones. So I want to marry these two together. Isaiah says, I saw Him, I experienced Him, His glory and everything. Paul saying, I want you to open your eyes to this truth that you can experience this glory even now. Alright, Isaiah. Old Testament or New Testament? Old Testament. New covenant that we live in says that the veil has been torn and we have full access to Jesus right now and the Father, Holy Spirit, the triune God. We have full access into His throne room. We have that access right now, right? Isaiah, Old Covenant, the veil was still there, right? And he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Let's go there. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. This is what he saw. In the year that King Uzziah died, I clearly saw the Lord. He was seated on his exalted throne, towering high above me. His long... This, just think about and picture in your mind... Paul just says, open your eyes of your imagination. Be illuminated and think about what Isaiah seen before him. I clearly saw the Lord. He was seated on His exalted throne, towering high above me. His long flowing robe of splendor spread throughout the temple. Standing above Him were the angels of flaming fire, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces in reverence. With two wings they covered their feet. And with two wings they flew. And one called out to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, commander of angel armies. The whole earth is filled with what? His glory, which is His splendor, His beauty, His love. Meaning you can't get away from it. Everywhere you turn, if you would just open your heart to see it, you would see the glory of God. Moses, said, Moses got on that place and, and he tells Moses, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. It was not a new place that he was at. It was the same ground he covered over and over and over again. But when his eyes were illuminated and he saw the Lord in the bush, his eyes were illuminated to see. This is holy ground. Oh, that our eyes would be open. The thunderous voice, verse 4, of the fiery angels caused the foundations of the thresholds to tremble, tremble as the cloud of glory, which is the cloud of His splendor, the cloud of His beauty, the cloud of His love, filled the temple. And then I stammered and said, Woe is me. I'm destroyed. Now this is a prophet, by the way. I'm destroyed, doomed as a sinful man, for my words are tainted, and I live among people who talk the same way. King Yahweh, commander of angel armies, my eyes have gazed, what? Upon him. Upon him. Think about that. As he's seeing him. And he don't know what to do with it. Does he? He has no idea. This is a prophet. And he's saying, my words that are coming out of my mouth are not really what they need to be coming out of my mouth. <laughs> so what happens? Verse 6. And out of the smoke, one of the angels of fire flew to me. He had in his hands a burning coal he had taken from the altar 
with tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, See, the burning coal from the altar has touched your lips. Now listen to this. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is blotted what? Out. He sees the beauty of the Lord. It is His kindness that leads men into repentance, into a changing of, of their mind. Metanoia. When they see His beauty, He sees Him for who He really is in His beauty, in His glory. And He's like, oh, I can't do nothing with this. And then there's a consecration that takes place. You see that? Out of the smoke and the fire, right? Comes that hot coal to do what? Consecrate him. To make him whole. All of us blotted out. Well, guess what? Fast forward. New covenant. What has happened for you? Your sin has been blotted out. All gone, right? And you've been consecrated. Not only have you been consecrated, not only has He touched your lip with that, your whole body, wind, what does it say? And fire. That baptism of the Holy Spirit is a real deal. It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit as a baptism of fire. One, that Holy Spirit to empower you to do the things He's called you to do. And fire, it burns out every impurity that was ever in you that was not of love's kind, that had nothing to do with Jesus Himself. And it, it consecrates you. And then He goes on to say, And then I heard the Lord saying, Whom should I send to my people and who will go to represent us? And I spoke up and said, I will be the one. Send me. Send me. So what happens? We first gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. You see what we try to do? We hear do, 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 do at church. And so we hear that message and we say, okay, that must be what pleases God. And that must make Him happy with me. So I must continue. I must go out and I must join these forces who are already at work. Give me a Sunday school class. I'll volunteer for Children's Church. I'll go out to the food bank. Never fall in love with Him. And all the while thinking, as long as we continue to do these things, we have made Him happy. And pleased Him. And He's never asked you for that. He's asked you for a relationship. Now if those things come out of that relationship, that's great. That's awesome. But for the most part, we get it backwards. And then we wonder why we burn out. And then we wonder why those people fell away. And we wonder why. Why ain't they going to church no more? Because I guarantee you this. Jesus was not lying when He says that the gate of Hades itself will not be able to prevail against the church. So why is the great falling away? Well, maybe it's not really the church. God is awakening hearts across the world that they would fall in love with the one true God. Hebrews says, all these Old Testament people, including Isaiah, were all types and shadows. That Isaiah, what he saw, it was real. But it still was not as close and intimate as what Jesus had with Papa. Because Jesus is the one that says, I'm the only one who looked at him full on. The only one who has looked at the Father full on is me. Like you saw some you saw something that was real, but it was nothing like what I have with my Papa. And then Jesus goes on to explain that relationship. You can have to. Like Isaiah, that's pretty cool. Like some of us would just be like, man, if I just saw that, I'd be all right. But you would limit yourself if that's all you wanted to see. He's inviting you into what Jesus saw. Now that's love. That's 
fact, I'm not going to go there, but in John 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he tells him that. Like, how are you going to understand these things I'm trying to tell you? The only one that's come from there is the Son of God. Who is there now, he says, by the way. Which means he was living two-dimensional at one time. Which we are now, just like Jesus. So are we in this world. So we are two-dimensional beings. That's for, just for a side note for you to go study a little bit more and get hungry for that. One more passage in Isaiah, and I'm going to finish up. Isaiah 60. Think about from that point on, Isaiah falls in love. He's consecrated, and he's like, send me. That's what he saw after that experience. Again, we should experience even more, guys. You're a New Testament being. You're a new covenant being. All the old things have passed away. You've become a complete new prototype. Completely new. Just like him. So you should be seeing dreams, visions. You should be experiencing him daily. This is what he says in Isaiah 60. And I want you to think about it. All the bad news you hear every day. And all the bad things that are going on in this world. So Jesus has to be coming because it's got so bad. We went and watched Jesus' revolution last night. It reminded me they were saying the same things in the 70s. It gotten so bad, he must be coming back tomorrow. Well, at least he still ain't here. I tell you, he is here. And actually, he's in this room. Amen. For those who will recognize him. And you'll see what I mean. Verse 1 Rise up in splendor and be what? Radiant. Radiant. I want this stuff to get so intertwined into you that you think about this all the time. In fact, this weekend, I was, I think it was yesterday sometime, dude, I was standing by Armani. Julie was trying to do something with her hair, and I kind of was standing over them, and I blocked the light coming over. She, trying to, she said, Daddy just, a, just, Daddy just took up all the light. I can't see. I said, Daddy ain't take up no light. Daddy beams light. We got to get that inside of us that we recognize those things as there. We are saying that that it should sound strange to us. You see what I'm saying? Like it should get to the so to the point that it would sound strange to us if they said you're blocking the light. But you need to know you are a being who not only reflects it but radiant light comes from you radiates from you. Rise up in splendor and be radiant for your light has dawned and Yahweh's glory now streams from you. Look carefully. Darkness blankets the earth. Thick clouds covers the nations. But, but Yahweh arises upon you and the brightness of His glory appears where? Over you. Nations will be attracted to your, not God's, your radiant light and kings to the sunrise glory of your, your new day. So before we keep going, I just want you to think about this. Get it in your head. Darkness covers the earth, right? That means everybody at work may seem like it's bad. But guess what? Just like I described Julie to you earlier, whenever we met, there should be light coming out from around you wherever you go. Just Friday, because I had parent-teacher conference, and I had these teachers that was worried about this one mama, and because she throws the fit last time, blah, 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 and would you just please be in there with us when she comes? Well, they text me, she's here. <laughs> Sitting in the Calvary, right? All I did was just walk in the room. I just walked in the room, had my cup of coffee, 
I just sat down and I just looked at the lady and she, you could tell she was going off. Her back was turned to me. She was going off. I sat down, she looks at me and then she just kind of finished her conversation. She had nothing else really to say and then she left. Walked out. Taylor said, bro, did y'all notice how the whole atmosphere changed in the room after Brown walked in? And I just, I just smiled. So we host his presence. Light invades the darkness. There is not any darkness that should outshine your light. Well, cause why? You shine with the glory and the radiance of, of Yahweh. That's why. That's why it should not outdo it. So darkness covers. Right? But then it says Yahweh arises upon you. And the brightness of his glory appears over you. Yahweh's glory is way brighter than this world's darkness. For those who believe. Nations will be attracted to that radiant light. And kings the sunrise glory of your new day. Now, verse 4. Lift up your eyes higher and look all around you and believe. you got to believe it. For your sons are returning from far away and your daughters are being tenderly carried home. Watch as they all gather together, eager to come back to you. You see what this world is looking for? It is saying all kinds of crazy stuff out there. Don't know what gender they are. Don't know I'm, truth. We talk about that all the time. Where it is truth. Right? And everybody's trying to figure out what is truth, what is truth, what is truth. And we are talking about the people who can't figure it out instead of being light to the people who can't figure it out because they're searching for truth. They're just searching in the wrong place because you haven't risen up as the sons of glory to say this is where it is. That's what they're waiting for. The earth is groaning in eager expectation, yearning on tiptoe for the sons of God to rise up and take their place. For the hope of glory is in you. That's where it is, in you. The hope of what? Glory. This glory that we're talking about, that is His glory. The hope for that glory to be across the earth is you as the waters cover the sea. It's in you. Verse 5, then you will see, then you will see with understanding and be radiant. Notice he didn't say you'll see and understand while the darkness is trying to loom. You'll see and understand when you finally believe who you are and you start shining in those places. It's going to come to you and you're finally going to realize, oh yeah, this is true. Then you will see with understanding and be radiant. Your heart will be thrilled and swell with joy. The fullness of the sea will flow to you. The wealth of the nations will be transferred to you. And caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels loaded with goods from Midian and Ephra. I don't know about them camels. The rest of it sound pretty good. <laughs> no, that's just talking about the supply. It's a never-ending supply for those who are going to choose to believe. And you're going to have the supply that the nations need. You know, they're talking about famine in the land, all those kinds of things, and being never-ending supply to the ones that are the sons who believe and are radiant. This is all going to be attracted to you. It's all going to be attracted to. So just close your eyes for a second. I want you to think about this thought. When people ask you to describe why you love Jesus, or why you do what you do, Maybe you never had nobody ask you that. So what if they would ask you that? Would it sound like a history lesson like you're trying to describe the way you read about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln? Would you try to describe the words in the word like the Gettysburg Address? Like something you read on a page? 
when you talk about him, does it sound like you know him? That you experience him. That you encounter him. That he's encountered you. Does it sound like a lifestyle? Does it sound like relationship? I asked that. I said, what if somebody asked you that? I want to take it a little bit further. What if they never had to ask you? There is nobody, nobody that comes around me and Julie that has to ask me, is that my wife? things that we prayed for before we ever got married, driving in that little white Honda, the ULM back and forth, we would pray and every day we would pray together. And one of the things that we prayed for is that we would get to work together in life because we knew we had a purpose to be together. And everywhere we went, no matter what has happened, God has brought a way for us to still work together. I'm at Megan, she's at Rabel. How does that work? They send her to my school to do stuff. They send her to my school to do stuff. And we still get to talk every day and work together every day. And when I get home, when she gets home, I'm not trying to find a way where I can have some alone time. I'm trying to figure out what can we do next together. Nobody that sees us and knows us that don't know that would ever say. You know what would be strange to them? If they saw us separate. But well, where'd you live? Is it that natural to you with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? not a con condemnation. If you're not there, that is not a condemnation for the enemy to say, see, you don't have it together. No, it's an invitation for him to say, a light bulb to click on for his kindness leads you to repentance. And it is to say, he does love me that much. He really does. And to come in that kindness of repentance and say, I'm here. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to live like this to where I'm trying to second guess myself all the time. I don't want to live like this that whenever I do go to church, I think it's about rules and regulations. I don't want that kind of experience that he's talking about. I want that for me. There's no music playing. We're not dimming the lights. But I really feel like there is more than one person here this morning who your whole life you've never really fallen in love with the real Jesus. And I feel like he's asking you now, do you want to? Do you feel that beating on your chest and that vibration on the inside? That's Holy Spirit hovering over you like you hovered over the waters. And there's a vibration that's taking place on the outside of you and on the inside of you that's saying, you want it? It's just a yes away. It's just a yes away. There's no specific prayer. So with no music, no lights off, I'm just going to ask you, stand up where you are, and I want to come to you and I want to pray with you.
some of us in this room. The book of Revelation says, a letter written to the church says, but you've forgotten your first love. You do a lot of cool things for me, but you've forgotten your first love. Maybe you did fall in love with Jesus. But you've gotten so busy with life. Individually, I'll just pray corporately over you. So if that's you, you want to receive fresh and new today, you just stand up and begin to pray. <coughs> I've never been about manipulation. I've never been about extending these things out. Guys, I just want to say this. If you're saying that that's not you in either one of those categories, then why are we not seeing the manifestation of it? What you just said was, I am so madly in love. I am so madly in love. I have not one bit of fear in my life. Did you fear at one time this week of anything in your life? Just be honest. Be honest with yourself and your heart. Did you fear anything that one time this week? Yes or no? Okay. Yes. I see shakings of head. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So then have you been perfected in love? Or have you forgotten your first love? Because every time that moment happens, you've forgotten your first love. Again, this is not a condemnation. I'm not trying to do a condemnation trip. I'm wanting you free. I'm wanting us free. Because whenever I pray over these people that are about to stand up, I'm praying for myself too because I had fears this week too. Anybody else want to stand up before I pray and receive? So if you stood up, I want you to just open your arms in a place of receiving. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that you are love. That there is no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. We are your friends. And we thank you that at our worst moment, at our worst worst vulnerable moment that you dove down deep into the uttermost and joined us and pulled us up out of that pit. We thank you, Father, that you so love the world that you gave us your Son. Gave us your Son that we could be in an intimate relationship with you and that is eternal life. We thank you, Father, that we can call on you anytime, anywhere. And so we thank you, God, that this is not just a moment for us at a church service, but God, this is a lifestyle that we want to say we want to be in with you. God, I relieve every person in this room of condemnation to not feel condemned whatsoever by that word. But they feel liberated in love with you. So just as that consecration place took place with Isaiah. I pray for fresh, fresh baptism of holy fire in this room. Fresh wind, fresh fire fall in this place. We release you, Holy Spirit, and angels in this room whirl around and twirl around, bringing fresh wind and fresh fire to burn out. Anything that is not of love's kind, Anything that is not of you, Jesus, in us, that has nothing to do with you and your love relationship with us, we say burn and let it burn. A fresh wind, circle around us, hover over us, speak to us, vibrate inside of us. 
your message, your heart. And we receive everything that you are. Everything. We receive your love. We receive your mercy. We receive your grace. As it cascades over us, we just twirl and we dance in that place with you. Your presence is in the words. I want to go where your presence is. 